All right, good morning. How many of you had a chance to see the Jesus Revolution movie? Some of you, a bunch of you got to see it, and, and I recommend that you go and see it. If you, if, It's going to be here, I think, through Thursday, maybe? I think. But check it out. But uh, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it brought, back, brought us back a lot of memories, a lot of kind of thoughts. Uh, what you saw in the movie there kind of is directly is what led to us being here. And uh, we just, you know, we were, we were like, uh, you know, part of that whole wave of, of uh, what Jesus was doing. But that was, you know, a lot of years ago. And we want to pray now for God to do something now. And that's like Justin prayed for that as well, that God would do something. And we hear about stuff going on in different colleges and that, and, and it's exciting. And if God's doing something now, I know there was a time in history on college campuses where, uh, you know, God did something radical, and a lot of uh, a lot of the students, you know, uh, came forward to serve the Lord in in uh, missions and and serve the Lord in in the ministry, and and uh, we should pray that you know that's what happens now too that these young people because it's got to be the young people again that rise up and and take it forward, not that you know uh, our generation doesn't. My generation does ha- doesn't have anything to offer, but we do. But, but to to see what God is going to do in this generation, and and every ge- generation is different. So let's open our Bibles to the Book of Jude. Uh, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna do a big section here today in the Book of Jude. Uh, but Jude he says to Contend for the faith. Faith. Fight for the faith. And watch out for false teachers because they're like wolves in sheep, sheep's clothing. That's exactly what they are. And they, the, the two main things that he starts off with in this letter of Jude is that they change or they pervert the grace of God into license. They make God's grace say something that it isn't, that it doesn't say. And they deny that Jesus Christ is Lord. And... Justin and Chris gave us some great teaching about the grace of God and, and the fact that Jesus is Lord. And I think, you know, those things are like foundational. The grace of God and the Lordship of Jesus. And, and I don't think that these false teachers really understood the grace of God. And that's why I, uh, I think it's good that, you know, Justin taught on that. And, and they obviously didn't respect that Jesus is Lord, and, and they, they treated it differently. Now Jude, this, this half-brother of Jesus, he knew the scriptures, and he gave us, uh, in verses 5 through 7, he gave us examples of judgment, and we, we kind of see Jude kind of likes these triplets, and we're going to see more of those here in the, in the verses we're looking at today. But, but the first three, uh, uh, he says there in, uh, actually, this is the second three triplets because the first three were mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance in verse 2. But in verses 5 through 7, the first one was, you know, after the exodus from Egypt, they, they didn't believe and they weren't willing to trust God and go into the promised land. He, he gave these examples of the fact that God is also a God of judgment and that, that he, he didn't allow them to go into the promised land. The second one was about the angels who rebelled. 
and they faced judgment. They were not content with what God had given them and they uh, fell. And the third example was Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. They gave themselves up, he says, to sexual immorality and strange flesh, one version calls it. So these are, you know, Jude was not afraid to like speak out. And Paul told us, the apostle Paul told us that the scriptures, these Old Testament scriptures, they, they contain examples. They're warnings for us. They're not just for those people, but they're warnings for us. And I, and I, I keep that in mind when we get into our section today as well. Now Jude continues. We're going to look at verses 8 through 16. And Jude does not hold back in any way, shape, or form. And I kind of thought maybe that was just like his older brother. Right? You know who I'm talking about. And, and the reason I say that, if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, and, and we'll see what his older brother had to say to some spiritual leaders. And again, the context in Jude is, is you know, false teachers and and uh, leaders that were leading them astray. But, but Jesus in, in Matthew 23 is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the crowds, but he's talking about the Pharisees and the teachers. And look at verse uh, 1 in Matthew 23. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads, put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything is done. Everything they do is done for men to see. And then he talks about how they want the best places. They want the most important spots. They want to be greeted. They want the adoration. It goes on really for all. Really, the, the whole chapter, he's saying things like this. Verse 27, you, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The whole chapter, he just like lays on, lays it out onto these Pharisees and, and these teachers. He, he didn't hold back. And I think maybe Jude kind of got a little bit of that. You'll see as, we looking at, as we're looking at these verses, he, he didn't hold back. He just like really jumps onto these uh, false teachers now, before we get into the, to the verses themselves, I want to ask you a question about <clears throat> rock stars. You all know what a rock star is. This is kind of a term that we use for a lot of different uh, people now, not just guys who plays, play rock music, right? But, but when you think about a rock star, and it, and it really is ingrained into our society, this whole, this whole kind of rock star thing. Uh, Ed Stetzer, who's a, a, a well-known uh, writer, he said this 
a lot of kids grow up wanting to be a rock star. And we have all these different rock stars. We have athletes are rock stars. Movie stars are rock stars. Software designers are rock stars. So we have all these kinds of rock stars. And it's kind of like our society, we, we, we look for these guys, people, not just guys, but men and women that, that, that are like that. And, and it's kind of who we are. But, but I think what I've seen in my years as a believer and what I see today in the church is rock star preachers. You know what I'm saying? Rock star preachers. What, let me ask you this. What does a rock star really want? Or what do we give to them? Adulation, right? Adoration, we adore them. We, 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 you know, they have this fame. They have our attention. Uh, they're looking for, for, for fame and fortune. There's some kind of thing about the money. Yeah, you know, we, we, when you look, and I was, I was looking at uh, this documentary about Elvis. You know, he starts off, well, I just want to play some songs and I want to make my mom happy. But, but it goes on from there, doesn't it? it it's more than that. Then, then you get into, you know, the pride and the ego and wanting the, you know, the crowds. And, and then you have to have the special treatment, Right. If you, you know, you have the green room where you go before your concert, whatever, and I've got to have, you know, uh, the, the whole list of the, the things that have got to be there, this specific kind of water and, and these specific snacks and treats and food and all that. And they want this special kind of treatment. But when that starts to go into the church, and let me ask you, do you think that it has? I think it has. I think that it has. And, and it's something that, that I think even in these verses that we're looking at here today, we, we see that, that that's, that's kind of what uh, Jude is actually describing. And it's kind of what's happening here today. Ed Stetzer, again, he says this, the culture of the, the super pastor can do great harm. He talks, I won't. You know, go into any more of the article, but but one thing I will point out because I think this isn't just the mega churches. He says this. Furthermore, I think that any pastor of a church of any size can fall into the rock star trap. It's a sin issue, and not just a size issue. So. What are we looking at here today? Why am I talking about this? Number one, for you to have discernment as the flock, that, that you discern that you know, these kinds of things are not healthy, they're not good. But also for me and anyone who teaches that we need to be careful because these things don't just happen overnight. They develop over time. And for someone, you know, he doesn't start off to say, you know, I'm going to be, uh, you know, a rock star pastor, a rock star teacher. I'm going to, uh, you know, you don't start off like that. But I think because of the sin, that the sin, the flesh, you know, the, that these things, we, we, the potential is there for any of us. To fall into these traps and, and, and we see it and, you know, we can't, I can't uh, 
you know, decide or judge whether these people are Christian, true Christian believers or not. Some of the people that, that Jude was talking about were not true believers. They were in it for other reasons. So uh, I have a little video I want to play for you. Just two minutes. This is actually from the Inside Edition about 10 years ago. You got to crank the volume there. Here's Lisa Guerrero and the I-Squad with a look at some who've been preaching prosperity who are living large. Fresh wind! Fresh! They are some of the most popular TV preachers in the country. We're family here! They urge the faithful followers to donate generously and in return, the Lord will bring them prosperity. I'm not going to be going to heaven and be broke when I get there. And there's no denying some people have prospered handsomely. Wow! The yeah, pastors themselves, the they live like rock stars with huge mansions, private jets, and fancy cars. Their lifestyles are so lavish, six of them have been investigated by the U.S. Senate. Like Paula White, who lives in multi-million dollar homes in New York City and Tampa, Florida. And Creflo Dollar, he gets around in style, flying in private jets to preach around the country. He owns this mansion in an exclusive Atlanta suburb. Mr. Dollar, how do you Not one of them would agree to an interview about their opulent lifestyle. How do you justify your million dollar mansions in your jets to all of your donors, sir? Oh, yeah. But when it comes to opulence, few religious leaders compare to Kenneth Copeland. You and I are supposed to always have. in this home outside Fort Worth, Texas. It has beautiful water views and comes complete with a boathouse. But that's not all. Copeland is an avid pilot, and here's his pride and joy, a $20 million Cessna Citation jet. It's the fastest private jet money can buy. He said he needed it to better serve the Lord and proudly did a flyby for his followers after the church bought it. But it's not just one plane. We found a fleet of planes registered to the church. And you won't catch him waiting in line at the airport because he's got his own, the Kenneth Copeland Airport, located right next to his mansion. I think Copeland is unbelievably greedy. Ole Anthony heads the Trinity Foundation, a religious watchdog group that worked closely with the... I think you get the idea. This is, again, about 10 years ago, and I think we've, we've even gone to greater extremes since then. And, 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 and different, you know, this is, this is the kind of the, the health and wealth, uh, you know, word of faith kind of camp that you see on the screen uh, there. But, uh, you know, there are different groups now that are going off into all these different directions. I, I read about uh, this guy who... Uh, and. He, he had $6,000 tennis shoes. $6,000 tennis shoes. Now, mine are only 5000 so I don't feel so bad. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Jesus, again, who are we going to follow? What the world says is cool? What did Jesus say? He said, if you, you know, that the greatest among you would be what? You'd be the servant. Be the servant of all. 
That's what Jesus said. There are people, and, and, and to, be, to be very truthful with you, I've seen it in Calvary Chapel. I've seen it in Calvary Chapel. Like I said, we're not immune. None of us are immune. I've seen it in Calvary Chapel. At one point in time, the biggest Calvary Chapel, uh, the pastor, he, I think this is, this is where he ended up. And he ended up, you know, uh, not being faithful to his wife, ended up losing everything because he kind of fell into that. And I, and I remember seeing him at a conference and he just looked like, you know, he was like, he had this cool look, you know. You know, it, it, it's a very, very sad state of affairs, but this is, this is where we are. I was watching the other day, I was watching a, a guy by the name of Joseph Prince. How many of you have heard of him? You know, he's, and he's on, he's on TV and, and I was watching this and, and I'm, I'm listening to it and I go, well, Everything you just said kind of sounds right, sounds good. And, and then all of a sudden he starts talking about the prosperity thing. And I'm going like, well, you made this big jump. He said, but that's not what my message is about. The good stuff isn't what his message was about. But that's what your message should be about, the good stuff. But then he starts talking about this. And then he says, but I'm not a health and wealth preacher. But he's preaching health and wealth. At the same time, he's saying he's not that. So... But, but I had to listen carefully, and you, you need to have discernment with who you listen to. You can't just say, yeah, yeah, okay. He's got a church, and this guy has a church. And again, size, uh, like uh, Ed Stetzer says, size isn't necessarily the, the defining factor. But why are some of these churches so, so large? The largest church in America is the same kind of way. It's just heresy. It's, and, and, and this guy's church was like 30,000 people as well. And he's in Singapore. But he's got this, you know, television show that goes all around the world. Because people are not discerning. They're not, they don't know what the Bible says. They, they, they only go by what the guy says or the woman says. Rather than what the Bible says. So let's get into the scripture. I don't want to, to go on and on about that. Um, well, let's look in, uh, <clears throat> in Jude chapter 1, the only chapter, and let's start in verse 8, where we left off. He says in verse 8, in the very same way these dreamers, they pollute their own bodies, they reject authority, and they slander celestial beings. The first thing he says, he says these dreamers, and, and again, the context is these uh, false teachers, and he's already said, you know, that, that they're going to reap what they sow. But he said these dreamers, and I kind of wondered about that, and, and somebody said this, you know, uh, why did he call them dreamers? Some of them profess to have dreams. Well, I had this dream that this is what our church should be, and this is what our church should do, and... But, but, but the other side is that perhaps they're just are in their own dreamland. And they're out of touch with the truth. And I think that is also true, whether they have these dreams that they profess to have. But look what he says here in this verse. Number one, it says that they pollute their own bodies. And what he's talking about there is the immorality, that they, that they think that they're above what the Scripture teaches they pollute their own bodies like Sodom and Gomorrah. They reject authority just like the angels did. It, it's kind of like society today, question authority. 
But this is questioning the authority of the scripture and questioning the authority of Jesus. That's where you get into trouble. You see, what happens is they wanted to be the authority and they thought they were the authority. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one that we serve, not ourselves. The third thing there, it says they slander celestial beings. And, 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 and again, they get into this thing, and I've seen it, and I've been involved in it, as well, where they thought they knew so much, and they have this presumptuous attitude about spiritual battle and spiritual warfare, and they're going to tell the devil this and tell the devil that. But look what it says in verse 9. It says, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So, so he's saying, you know, these guys, they think they can say and do whatever they want. But, but even the archangel Michael, uh, Michael, who was like the highest angel, talked about like four different times in the Bible, says when he was disputing with the devil and having this battle about the body of Moses, he, he, didn't, he didn't get into all that. He just said, the Lord rebuke you. It's the Lord's power. It's interesting, this idea, and we, we don't really know what happened in that. This is the only uh, reference to it in the scripture, this uh, battle between Michael and, and uh, the devil. It's Part of it is from an apocryphal book, which is a non-biblical work, which is really only being used as an illustration, which happens a few times. Paul does it a few times. Uh, it's found in the book of Acts as well. But when you go back and read in Gen uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, it says that when Moses died, God buried him and that no one would know where he would be buried. Michael, though, he's saying he's in this spiritual battle with, with Satan. And, and that's all he said is the Lord rebuke you, the Lord's strength against you, not my strength against you. It's, it's the authority of the Lord. Verse 10, he goes on to say here, he says, Yet these men, they speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Woe to them. Three more triplets. Uh, one more triplet, I should say. Three more points he brings up here about them. You see what I'm saying? How he just keeps going on and on about these, these false teachers. And, and he says, number one, uh, in that verse, that they have taken the way of Cain. Now, Cain is found where? Where do you read about the life of Cain? In Genesis chapter 4. And, you know, Cain and Abel... The two brothers, the first two brothers on the planet, right? And, and Cain uh, and Abel, they brought offerings. But Cain brought an offering, but he didn't bring his heart. Some, you know, some have a different you know, interpretation of why his offering wasn't accepted. But it wasn't accepted, but, but Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that he didn't bring it with faith. He didn't, his heart wasn't in it. 
He was just doing it. And, and we know what happened after that. What did he do? He murdered his brother. He murdered Abel. Again, Jude is saying, this is, what, this is where these guys are. They do these things. They bring all these offerings. They have all this spiritual looking stuff going on, like Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, but their hearts aren't there. They're not, they're not really tied in and tuned in to what Jesus is doing. The second one, I think, uh, kind of keys in with uh, what we saw in the little video clip there. It says they rushed for profit into Balaam's error. You can read about that in Numbers chapters 22 to 24. Balaam, his whole deal was greed. His whole deal was, I want to make something out of this. Uh, he was hired for money to curse the nation of Israel. And he tried to, but God, wouldn't let, God would not let him curse the nation of Israel. But he wanted to do it. Why did he want to do it? Because he, he was going to make money. And, and this, is, this is like a, uh, one of the key motivators, really, the love of money. The love of money, the Bible says, that the root of all kinds of evil, right? And that's what we see when somebody has a $20 million jet. Like what? The third one in that verse, it says they've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion found also in the book of Numbers, chapter 16, where Korah and a number of others, basically it was just rebellion against what God had, had ordained. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They said, who do you think you are? And, 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 and they just, you know, but God had said, this is what I want. And that didn't turn out so well for them. What happened to them? Yeah, the earth opened up and swallowed them. Not a pretty sight, is it? Look at verses 12 and 13. I've got to keep moving here. I'm going to lose you. Verses 12 and 13. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Wow. Can't you just be nice, Jude? You know, can you say anything nice? Can you, you know, that's not politically correct to speak like that. Can't you just, you know, have a little bit of love for these people? It's crazy, isn't it? This... It's interesting that someone pointed this out, that the word blemish, he, he says blemishes here, the literal meaning is hidden rocks that wreck a ship. Hidden rocks that wreck a ship. They're, they're, they're not coming out and saying, listen, I'm trying, I just want your money, I just want you to you know, worship me, I just want you to follow me, whatever I say, and, and all the rest of it. This time it's a quintuplet. The first one he says they're shepherds that feed only themselves. 
shepherds who feed only themselves. Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, the Lord talks about shepherds and he says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? Whole chapter about this in Ezekiel chapter 34. He says later, he said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. It will no longer be food for them. God is very serious about this. Old Testament, New Testament. Says they're clouds without rain. They promise a lot. But they really have nothing to offer. They're blown about by the wind. You know, they promise that if you, if you send money, that that miracle will be yours. This will happen for you. That will happen for you. Now, if God wants to do that, it will definitely happen. But it's not going to happen because you send someone money. I hope none of you have been taken in by that, but it, but it happens over and over again. They don't have all those millions of dollars for no reason. They have it because people like us, like you and me, actually write a check and send them money. It's interesting in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, you know, that, that we... As we learn, as we grow, that we would no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. They provide the blowing wind. They provide, you know, the, the waves by their cunning and craftiness. How about the autumn trees without fruit? There's no real fruit there. No spiritual fruit. It's all like, you know, the way things look and the way things, you know, help them and, and, and look to them. Wandering stars, he said. Wild ways of the seas, wandering stars, he says, like shooting stars. But then he says this. For whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? We saw, you know, Jude was already talking about, you know, eternal damnation. He's talking about hell. He's talking about judgment. And he says here, listen, this is very, very serious. Verses 14 and 15, he says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh ungodly sinners, harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. See, that word gets repeated over and over, ungodly, four times here. But it says that he's going to come. He's going to come and he's going to judge. Again, yes, God is love, but he is also a God of judgment and he's going to stand up and say what's right and what's true. Finally, verse 16, it says, These men, 
are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves. And they flatter others for their own advantage. It's really all about themselves, isn't it? I want to close and I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. And, and I think I think this is the proper attitude. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. And starting in verse 11. Acts chapter 14, verse 11. This is what happened to Paul. Paul, obviously he, you know, was a missionary, but he was a teacher. He was, he was a, an apostle, and God had used him in many, many different ways. And he had prayed for somebody, and somebody who was crippled uh, from birth, lame from birth, and, and God healed this man in Acts chapter 14. But let's pick it up in verse 11. It says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, however, whose, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Wanted to worship them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea. And everything in them. We too are only men human like you. You don't get that kind of attitude from some of these rock star pastors, do you? He said, no way. No way. The interesting thing is if you jump down to verse 19, look what happens. At one at one point, the, the crowds, the people are wanting to like worship them and, and bring sacrifices to them. In verse 19, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul, and they dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Fortunately, he wasn't at that point in time. That's the fickleness of people. We, we want to, you know, adore and, and, and you know, follow after these people, but the next minute we want to stone them. That's the way we are. That's the way people are. So who are we going to follow? Are we going to follow people? Are we going to have any kind of discernment about what people say? Are we looking at their lives, mine included, and seeing what, what kind of a life do they really have? Are we having any kind of discernment and I think that's what the Lord wants. And I think that's what Jude was trying to say. Watch out. Look out. Contend for what the truth faith is and, and follow after Jesus. And we see Paul here and, and Barnabas. You know, they said, no way. I'm not going to have any part of that. 
God is very, very serious about all this. And, and the truth of the matter is, is we see it throughout the scriptures that we will sow, excuse me, we will, we will reap what we sow. And these false teachers will reap it. And that's why he says there, this blackest darkness is reserved for them, for, for leading people astray. You think of what Jesus said. He said, you know, anyone who, he talks about children, anyone who, who leads children to say astray, he says, it's better for them to have a, a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea than that they should lead one of these little ones astray. This is serious, serious th- business that we're talking about here. But this, again, uh, I, I hope you... I hope you understand this is not, uh, you know, just something that happened back then. This is happening now, here, today, in our society, in our country, and around the world today. So let's open our eyes, let's open our ears, and, and let's, have, let's have our, our hearts Uh, in the word of God and what God's word says, because that's the only way we're really going to truly have discernment is we know what the scripture says. Get into the word. Get into the word for yourself. I say that all the time because that's the only way that you and I are going to make it. Say, well, I don't read. Well, you don't have to read. You can listen. Well, I can't hear. Well, you can watch. You can, there are so many avenues for us to get into the Word. Well, well, I don't have any time because, you know, I've got to watch this program and that program and, and Netflix and, and, you know, I've got all these, you know, 2,500 different channels and I, I just don't have time to get into the Bible. I don't even need to answer that, do I? Get into the word for yourself. Just do 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day. And God will, God will bless you. God will help you. God will encourage you. Let's pray together, shall we? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jude and the heart that he had. It's, it seems very strong and, and maybe even harsh, but, but it's the truth. And, and you're warning us. Even here today in in the United States of America, some 2,000 years later, that that we need to beware. Jesus said it. Beware of false teachers, false teaching that would come. I pray you'd you'd give us that discernment, Lord. by the Holy Spirit that lives within us, by the word of God that you've given to us that we have so freely. Father, we pray for our country and we do pray that you would bring true repentance. And that's really what revival starts with is repentance. That we turn away from the things of this world and and turn to you, Jesus, as the Savior of the world. It's our only hope. I know that. We all know that. But we don't always turn to you. So we turn to you now. We turn to you today, Lord. 
Have mercy on our country. Have mercy on our leaders. Have mercy on our our nation, Lord. A nation that started off with a a heart to, to listen, to follow, and to obey. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us in our own personal lives to be people who make good choices to follow you and to listen to your voice and to do what you say. And Jesus, I pray too this morning for any maybe that that don't know you as Savior, don't know you as Lord. Today is a good day to give your life to Jesus and, and open your heart to him and say, Jesus, Come into my life. Come into my heart. I want to follow you. I want you as the Lord of my life. Today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing, please.